Welcome to a brief chat with Jason Crane for the 30th of July, 2019. It is Tuesday. I'm so glad you're here. You can find out everything about the show at abriefchat.com. I want to tell you a story about a thing which happened to me recently. I have I have been in a courtroom before for you know, like civil procedural matters. I changed my name years ago and I had to go to court to do that. And I was adopted when I was a kid and I had to go to court to do that. And I've also been in court as a protester, but I've never been in court as a either a plaintiff or a defendant until very recently. And this is how that happened. As I've mentioned on the show, one of the things I do to make money is work as an Uber driver. And a few months ago, I was driving my car with four passengers in it. We were on uh, the university campus in the town where I live on the main drag, and we were behind a cyclist who was a a pretty typical Penn State cyclist. Uh, No helmet, flip-flops, coasting down a busy road with a line of cars behind him, kind of no spatial awareness of any kind. This is a wide road. It doesn't have a lane marking. It's just this broad kind of thoroughfare that goes through campus. And so when there were no cars coming the other direction, I moved out and I passed this cyclist. And in the process of passing him, all of a sudden there was a bang against the side of the car. And I looked in the rearview mirror and the cyclist was lying in the road behind me. So, of course, I turned around. I had a car full of people. I went back. I said, you know, can you hold on a minute? And I got out of the car. I walked over to the cyclist and I said, hey, I'm Jason. I was the driver of the car. And he said, oh, man, I'm so sorry I ran into your car. The police came, the the campus police, and they started interviewing everybody. They uh, determined that a pedestrian had stepped out in front of the cyclist. He'd swerved to miss her. And in the process, he'd hit the side mirror of my car and been knocked off his bike. The officer who was in charge said to me, I'm, I'm not going to write you up. It, you know, wasn't your fault. And we're just going to call it, you know, kind of no fault either way. And you can go about your day. I got back in my car, but I was blocked in by the police cars and I had to wait until they left before I could leave. And the officer came back over to my car and she said, well, it turns out there was a witness who said you were going kind of fast. And I said, well, what does kind of fast mean? Is that a is that a legally <laughs> permissible amount of speed? And she said, well, there's no reason to get, you know, whatever, snotty or aggressive or something. Um, I'll let you know my decision and I'll I'll call you. She called me later in the day and said, I've decided to... Uh, not to write you up for speeding, but to write you up for not giving sufficient passing distance. I called my insurance company and Uber, and I did a very long interview with my insurer about what had happened, after which my insurer sent me an email and said, get the police report, attach it to this email, any other correspondence, uh, please attach to this email so that we can begin the process of defending you if necessary. This is where this becomes a real Jason Crane story, because first of all, I didn't do that. I didn't respond to that email. I didn't get a copy of the police report. A week or two later, I got a letter from the local court that said, you've been charged with not giving sufficient passing distance. Please check guilty or not guilty and return this form. And I have such an anti-authoritarian streak that as soon as someone in power tells me to do something there's very little chance I'm going to do it. I didn't return the form. A couple weeks later, I got another letter. It said, you didn't return the form. Check guilty or not guilty and return this one. And I did not. 
couple weeks later, I got another letter, a certified letter this time, that said you have a few days or whatever it was to come down and pay the deposit amount listed here or the full amount or else your license will be suspended. I went down to the court. I checked not guilty on a form, and we were very, very poor. So we had $62 in total to our names, and the amount that I had to pay was $58. So I paid it. They said, we'll send you a notice about when the trial will be. This would have been an awesome time to contact my insurer, who essentially exists for the sole purpose of helping me in situations like this. But I did not. I got a notice from the court. Your trial is on such and such a date. Again, another awesome time to contact the insurer. I did not. Morning of the trial, I'm sitting downstairs with Owen, my spouse. Owen looks at me and says, you don't look so good. Is everything all right? I said, well, today is actually supposed to be my trial for this cycling thing. And I've done nothing about it whatsoever. And I wasn't even going to go. And Owen said, well, you have to go. Because if you don't go, you're 100% guaranteed to be proven guilty. And if you do go, there's a chance you'll get off since you didn't do anything. I said, okay. And I dressed up in the only nice shirt that I have because I've gained a lot of weight and most of my nice clothes don't fit anymore. And I went down to the court. And I'm sitting in this outer room waiting for things to happen. The police officer walks in with the plaintiff, the student. They go into a little room together. And I can hear them because it's a very small space that we're all in going over his testimony, which I thought was odd. I didn't know that was the role of the police in the situation. We all get called into the courtroom, which is immediately throw out any picture of what a courtroom looks like that you have in your head, because it's not like that. It is a chintzy conference room from a, a high school that needs to be updated. There are two cheap tables, one each of which has like printed out with those things that you might use in a school to like put the word door on a door for little kids or whatever, you know? Those label makers printed out, one says plaintiff, one says defendant. There's some plastic chairs. The judge is at the same level as everybody else in the courtroom, but they have built a box around the judge, you know, like the kind of bench you see in a regular courtroom or whatever, the, you know, the box that the judge sits behind. But because the judge is at the same level, all you can see is his head. The student has shown up in Hawaiian shorts and a t-shirt, which, you know, I feel like, okay, that's probably good for me. The student gives his testimony about how he just swerved six inches, how I was immediately, uh, you know, on top of him, and so on and so forth. The officer reads her thing, and I don't like cops at all, but I will say, to her credit, she was unfailingly honest. She didn't say anything she didn't know to be true, and when she said something that she had not herself witnessed, she did say, I didn't see this. The judge asked me if I want to cross-examine. I asked the cyclist, do you have any memory of uh, the cars that were around you before the accident? He says, you mean in the parking lot? I said, no, the cars that were on the street. He does not have any memory of those. I asked the officer if she remembered our conversation before the accident, uh, before uh, uh, she talked to the witness. She says, yes, I said that it didn't seem like it was anybody's fault. I said, and after you talked to the witness, do you remember what you told me? And she said, no. I said, you told me that the witness said I was going kind of fast, but this is not a charge for speed. This is a charge for passing distance. Is there any witness who saw that? She says, no. I says, did you see it? She says, no. So I said to the judge, can I say anything about my past experience that pertains to this? He says, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I said, well, first of all, I myself was struck by a car when I was riding a bike when I was 16 or 17, and um, 
subsequently, I was the head of a statewide, in another state, a statewide cycling advocacy group that advocated for the four-foot passing law in that state. And then third, I'm a League of American Bicyclists trained road cycling safety person. And so I said, I'm hyper aware of cyclists. Uh, I was hyper aware of this cyclist, especially because he had no spatial awareness of any kind. He says he doesn't remember what the cars were like around him. And there was a huge line of cars behind him because he was coasting, wearing no safety gear, although that's certainly a cyclist's choice. And the cyclist is allowed to be on the road, but they're supposed to maintain speed. I said, so I'm 100% sure I passed him with at least a four-foot distance, and it's completely believable to me that if a human being stepped out in front of him, he could have swerved four feet and impacted the side mirror of my car. It's not believable to me that someone would only swerve six inches to avoid a full human being's body in front of them. The judge said, this, if anything, is something that should be worked out by insurance companies, not in a court of law, and I find you not guilty. And then the judge turned, we're all still in the courtroom, and he said, if there's anything you can do to teach cyclists at this university how to ride their bikes, it would be greatly appreciated. And then he said, in fact, I think if my wife had a gun, she would just shoot at cyclists as we drove across the Penn State campus. And that was how it ended, with those stirring words of judicial excellence. So I went out, uh, got my refund for the money I had paid, and went merrily on my way, uh, secure in a, my own <laughs> victory, and B, the uh, the righteousness of the American legal system. And that's my story for today. Again, abriefchat.com is where you'll find the show. Please do share it if you enjoy what you've heard. I'm so glad you're listening. I love you. A better world is possible.